0: consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on patreon even one dollar can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy look for a link over at the batmanuniverse.net to offer your support now and now on with the show i'm back baby i'm back the boys are back in town We turned around, guys. We are back, baby. We are back. We are back.
1: Classic. We, we, we are back. We are back. We are getting back. And we're the three best friends that anybody
0: can have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. Have all four sidekicks ever been in the same place at the same time? Don't call us sidekicks. Not after today. I'm back in business, baby! Why let them tell us what to do? It's simple. Get on board or get out of the way. You just don't get it, do you? You went off mission. That was a huge mistake. Impulse? That's so crash. I'm back, baby! Why isn't anyone ever just whelmed?
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of Everyone Loves Young Justice podcast. I'm Rob, and normally, Jay would say... And I'm Jay. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by the TheBatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Batman's greater world. So check out the TheBatmanUniverse.net. You can find us on social media at Twitter at E-L-Y-J Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash E-L-Y-J Pod. And you can email into the show at E-L-Y-J Podcast at And if you listen on iTunes, leave a review to help spread the word of the show, and we will read your reviews on a future episode. Like I said, I'm Rob, and Jay is uh, here, but not here. So this is episode 10 of the show. Yay, one zero, we've made it to episode 10, ironically. Everyone Loves the Drake just released episode 100. Ah, see what we did there? Synergy. So in episode 9, Jay and I had this pretty decent uh, recording session where we covered issue 3 and issue 4, of Young Justice, the 1998 version, and once we got done recording, we realized it was too big for one episode, but we could have two uh, smaller little episodes, so I decided to cut the episode in half and give you two uh, smaller episodes with episode 9 and episode 10 that you're currently listening to, but at the time that that was going on, we did not prepare a proper intro for what would become episode 10. So hi, that's why I'm here right now. And a little peek behind the curtain of this episode, uh, we started a little later than normal, and we were planning on recording a couple more issues, and we started getting a little slap happy in the episode, and... A little tired and a little fatigued. It was a long day for both of us, so you can kind of hear that in this episode. And uh, we were going to do another set of uh, issues, and once we got done with uh, what would become episode ten, uh, Jay and I were both were like. I'm kind of tired. Are you tired? Yeah, I'm kind of tired. So we stopped right there. So you might be able to kind of hear us a little bit in this episode and go, wow, those guys sound like they're tired. Yeah, we are a little bit, but this was a fun episode to do. The girls are here in this episode. So in the 1998 version of the show, It is no longer just the Boys Club. The He-Man Woman Haters Club is now open for business, or I guess closed if you're looking at the cover for Issue 4 of Young Justice, the 98 version. The girls are here in the secret Wonder Girl, and Arrowette. So this is the building blocks of what will become the greater, larger version of the 1998 version of Young Justice, and you'll hear us say it many times on this show, with this iteration of Young Justice, it was just such a fun time back in DC Comics in 98 with uh, this particular book. That Peter David just kind of threw caution to the wind And said, let's just let these characters be fun and vibrant And just go on some crazy adventures While having some, you know, some serious themes from time to time But uh, this is going to be episode 10 So let's start the He-Man Woman Haters Club That uh, Bart and Tim and Connor are putting a sign up in front of the cave Saying, no girls allowed (laughs) Welcome to everyone that loves young justice
0: Out! <laughs> Tomorrow! <laughs> the Legion of Superheroes through the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, the Baxter series, five years later, the reboot, the three-boot, the retro-boot, the animated series. We have banded together as the Legion of Super Bloggers to cover it
1: all. Seek us out at legionofsuperbloggers.blogspot.com.
0: always have to say it that way haven't you ever heard of a little thing called showmanship to tell you the story of Green Lantern is to tell you the story
2: of the birth of a universe the origins of DC as a whole
0: it's a magic emerald meteor from space in the 1940s it's the establishment of the JSA
1: it's the birth of the silver age
2: it's the introduction of a universal police force
1: it's the formation of the JLA
2: it's the
0: emergence
2: of the multiverse
0: It's a crisis in both space and time. It's an emerald dawn. And it's an emerald twilight. It's the
2: brightest day. And the blackest night. And the Lantern cast covers all of this and everything in between. We're Green Lantern's greatest advocates and fiercest critics. We've been fans for years, and it's the reason we're self-proclaimed Lanternologists.
1: So find us on iTunes and Stitcher and give us a listen. Because the history of Green Lantern
0: really is the history of the DC Universe. And we've got the interviews, commentaries, reviews, and more to back it up. Recognize. Superboy, b
1: 4 All right, and now the synopsis and information for the 1998 version of Young Justice. Young Justice issue number four reads as follows. The cover date was January 1999. The on-sale date is November 4th, 1998. The cover price is $2.50. And the editor is Eddie Berganza. The title, Harm's Way. The writer is Peter David. The penciler is Todd Nock. The inker is Larry Stucker. Letterer is Ken Lopez, and the colorist is Jason Wright. The cover credits for Issue 4 are Todd Nock and Larry Stucker, and this has been reprinted in Young Justice, a league of their own trade paperback in 2000, and this has a new reprinting in 2017 in Young Justice Book 1. And now the synopsis for Harm's Way. Arouette lies on the ground with an arrow sticking through her left shoulder. Responsible for that is a young man who calls himself Harm and intends to use Arrowet to get to Impulse. After Harm left, Arrowet cries out for help, but nothing happens until a flying vehicle throws a shadow over her. Meanwhile, Young Justice is in Spain, and they were able to catch a female thief named Tora. The three heroes celebrate their success, but not only is the Supercycle missing, but Fitt and Mad are on the site as well. The two agents want to get information on the secret, but the boys pretend total ignorance. Finally, the supercycle reappears and Young Justice takes off before Fit and Matt are able to further their interrogation of them. However, Superboy discovers a whole lot of blood is in the backseat of their vehicle. Somewhere else, Wonder Girl takes care of some boys who are torturing a cat. Suddenly, Secret appears because she hopes that she can be friends with Wonder Girl. Wonder Girl agrees to accompany Secret after she heard that she could introduce her to Superboy. Back in their secret base, Young Justice tells Red Tornado about the blood they found, and the android already knows about it. The supercycle dropped off Arrowet to the cave. Impulse quickly rushes to her and uses his vibration powers to take the arrow out of Arrowette's arm. The heroine tells Young Justice that she walked into a trap set by Harm. Superboy is mad about this and quickly finds off to find the villain without further talking to his teammates. It does not take Superboy long to find Harm who has already attacked his next victim, Wonder Girl. Superboy saves the girl who is obviously a little enamored with him, but Harm is tough. First he defeats Secret with an electrical charge and then he knocks out Superboy using special gas coming out from the hilt of his sword. Hearing the police sirens, Harm flees the scene, and Fit and Mad charge in. Secret and the two heroes are gone as well. Back at the base of Young Justice, Secret asks the others for help to rescue a group of beings which are just like her, trapped. Alright, let's take a look at issue four of Young Justice. This is the one we were talking about after issue three. Uh, this is titled Harm's Way, Issue Four after uh, Issue
2: Three. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's <laughs> a, it's amazing how it's amazing how numbering goes. Unless you're zero and- hour. Or Countdown. Yeah. (laughs) I tell you what, that's crazy if you you have a a comic book app that's organizing your comic books and it's putting the zero, because numerically zero would come first. But that's a whole other thing of like, it doesn't come first because of the date. But anyway, Young Justice, and now with added girl power. Man, I can't read in the late evening. (laughs) So we've got the three... Principal girls and Wonder Girl, Arrowet and Secret, and it looks like the Young Justice cave is boarded up. It's like girls keep out, danger, and you can just see the eyes of Robin, Superboy, the earring of Superboy, yes. and then the hands <laughs> of Bart, which I thought was yeah. like, what
2: is that gold? If thing? you didn't point it out, I was going to that. That cracked me up. I love the <laughs> yeah. He-Man woman haters at the top too. Little yeah. little rascals reference, <laughs> and that.
1: I like to put music in every now and then. And when I read that, it makes me think of the band Extreme. They had a song called He-Man, Woman Haters. Oh gosh. Uh, from the, you know, nineties. So that, that may, that may be a thing in this episode. Let's get some
2: Nuno Betancourt in here.
1: Yeah. 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 I'm all about some Nuno. Really cool. And I'll probably say it and I'll beat this dead horse. It wasn't bad enough in our previous episode where we were talking about the brown costume. I don't like to use the word "hate" a lot, so I'll find another word. I cannot stand Wonder Girl's costume. I didn't <laughs> like it. I didn't like it back in ninety eight, twenty nineteen. Knowing what costume she would eventually wear, I I really do not like this look for her at all. It it's nails on the chalkboard. Arrowet. I have always dug her costume. Secret. I think is just drawn very well, but. I don't know if I checked this out because I didn't like the costume as well, but I never noticed the G attached to the Wonder Woman logo. I'm like, I don't know where my head is, but this just looks like it's a horrible costume. I, I Tanak draws it very well, but I just think this is a poor design. Other than that, I think the issue is presenting what it is. The girls are front and center. This is going to to feature them. So what did you think of this cover now that I just kind of Poo-pooed the
2: Hulk. <laughs> no, it's I mean it's a fun cover. I mean, you you got the silliness of the boys with a girls have cooties, stay away from us kind of mentality. <laughs> which of course they don't really think like that because Superboy is always flirting with the ladies. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, it it's just it's just a funny stereotypical representation of wanting to stay a boys' club, which You know, eventually they relent and, you know, work uh, alongside these girls really, really well. And the girls are all really good characters, too. So, but no, I mean, it's just a funny cover. Yes. Cassie's costume is just, yeah. I mean, it's, I think I called it endearingly terrible before. Um, Yeah. Yeah. 20 years removed. I mean, I'm not going to say I even like it or if they made, you know, a statue of it, I would buy it because I like it even ironically. Mm Mm-hmm. It makes sense in her story because she effectively just slaps it together. Yeah. But I mean it does I mean it looks bad in all the ways that Superboy's costume could have looked bad and dated, but pretty much doesn't. Yeah. I mean there are dated aspects of his costume, but it still looks Pretty good even with the you know the leather jacket. This is everything that could have gone wrong with Superboy's costume, and it did go wrong. So um <laughs> it's not great. It's not. No. <laughs> but other than that, I mean the cover's fun. Yeah, I like the design of Secret. She's not a character that you really think about the design very much because she's supposed to be very, you know, smoky and ethereal. I mean, I like how her, she has kind of a trench coat slash cape, you know, look that, that even then, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily look like it in like a schlocky cheesy way. Uh, it fits mm, yeah. with the rest of her design and Arouette's costume is uh it's pretty good. It's not my favorite look. I definitely right. like it more than her first look from her secret origin story (laughs) uh, that her mom made her wear i mean i like it it's yeah it's fine it looks okay and yeah todd knock draws everything you know really well and everything fits well in his style here so generally i like the cover even with cassie's endearingly awful (laughs) sleeveless denim vest thing and (laughs) biker shorts yes
1: and overly large shoes and and socks.
2: Yes, and skateboarding goggles.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I, and reading this, we the the secret origin that we keep uh, talking about the uh that they ref- she refers to that's what they are specifically. And I was like, Oh, that's right, I forgot that's <laughs> that's what they were. They just weren't just Velma glasses that she was wearing. Right. This opens up with you know a title Harms Way in a very kind of gruesome shot here. Well gruesome is the wrong word, but we haven't really seen anything like this in the book where Arrowit literally has an arrow right through her left shoulder like a clean straight shot through you know there's blood on her shoulder blood on the tip of the arrow and she says wait a minute this isn't funny is what she says in the preceding pages we see that she's been beaten by something or someone and we don't realize spoilers it's harm and he reminds me of an image character and i cannot for the life of me place who who he reminds me of and if you said it, I'd be like, "Oh, that's it." I don't know if if you're pulling anybody, but he's got a red face, and he's got maybe I'm thinking more of like Hawk from from DC, but or Are you thinking maybe like Bloodshot. Blood yeah, may, maybe that's what I'm maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But uh, but, but anyway, my my mind's not working here <laughs> in right. the late evening. But you can tell that whoever this guy is, like again, we we know it's harm that he is going to allow her to live just and it says just to let you know that's all teen adventures such as yourself know that they will be well advised to stay out of harm's way and she says wait i'm not through with you yet stop your fighting with all your training i thought you might actually make things more difficult for, for me but such is not the case very well then i give you your life that uh it's not even worth his time to try and take her out. He's already done the the quote-unquote damage to her that he's wanted to do and she is rescued by the Super Cycle. So what did you think about the opening section with Harm here and uh, the way we're introduced to Arrowette?
2: I mean, it is... I mean, if the... I could see this, uh, the cover maybe not grabbing as many people, even though familiarity with the characters makes me appreciate it i could definitely see it as one that maybe wouldn't uh, grab people's attention even if they picked it up off the newsstand but turning the page right away and seeing arrowette backed up against a brick wall with an arrow in her shoulder i mean it it got my attention really quick because i mean yeah it is not funny it's not you know a goofy romp like we'd come to expect so far but it also doesn't feel totally totally like dissonant even though it's not you know super fun and everything like that it doesn't feel necessarily gruesome for the sake of being gruesome it does uh, Mm. make it feel that she is in real danger though i do think that uh i mean harm is one of those characters that he wants to be taken more seriously than you will actually ever take him seriously yeah yeah like he's threatening and dangerous in that he's unhinged and just a despicable person Mm -hmm. but he's not nearly as powerful as he wants to believe he is so some of his dialogue just makes me roll my eyes in a way that Hmm. i think you're supposed to like if you know if they were just you know if the entire team was standing there and they were all fighting you know fighting him and he was like you know just stay out of harm's way everyone would probably have the same reaction and you know gag because that's a terrible pun but it's i mean he's still unexpectedly brutal in the way that he is handling characters and even having such disregard for them that he that he thinks that they are so like he thinks she is so low uh, so far below him That uh, sparing her life is almost something he's doing out of pity rather than, you know, out of a mercy and everything. So it does show that he's a a gross character in the way that you're supposed to see him as.
1: Yeah, I'm glad that you said that he is bigger to himself than what he actually is. And probably, like you said, deep down, he knows he's probably not the big threat. So he's just relying on his words and what actions he is able to to do to hopefully bring his his point across so if he comes up in contact with with a bigger person that the arrowette isn't obviously she's not able to match him she got shot got taken out by her own arrow so if you get into a superboy or robin he's probably going to meet his match a lot quicker so it's it's the bully going for the weaker person because if he t- takes on the stronger person he knows he's probably going to lose yeah definitely So we move to Spain, I claim this land in the name of Spain, (laughs) and we get our first introduction to Tora, this is her first appearance uh, in the series, I think she has a few more sporadically throughout, and the boys are in Spain for the running of the bulls, it looks like, down the panel that's going uh, north and south on the page, and I always like when they're Speaking a foreign language, and they do the greater than less than signs instead of the parentheses with little oh, asterisk yeah, like little brackets, yeah, yeah, little brackets is saying translated from Spanish, like I couldn't figure that out, or sometimes what I think is almost funny that some comics will actually put it in Spanish. Or in whatever the actual language is, if it's Russian or something like that. And then slowly they'll start to – I don't know if you've seen any movies where they're speaking in German or whatever it is. And slowly they just start trans, <laughs> Like the hunt for October. <laughs> yeah, where they'll just automatically just start going – not automatically, but slowly go into English. Then they never speak whatever, you know, Russian right, right. or whatever it is to let you know, like, okay, everything we're saying – Is English, but just know that it's in it's in Spanish or whatever. So that's what this is. When I first saw Toro, Toro here, I thought she was Zorro for like a a brief second. And I've always had a fascination with Zorro and uh, all of that. So I was like, oh wow, Zorro's in the book. Oh wait, no, no, it's not. But uh, I thought this was an interesting character for a young Justice to come up against. And I think that's the fun thing about this book that. Peter David has a really cool way, like, yeah, he'll bring some A listers or B listers into the book, but he has no problem creating new characters for the book that really kind of hold their own up against Young Justice that it's not an IRL like, oh, this is the the cheesy, you know, B character, B movie of the month villain, and clearly the boys and the the team is gonna be able to take care of it. So at least she's met with Some type of resistance. It's not like that Bart immediately takes her out or Superboy does. But Peter David is really starting to have fun with the dialogue in the book where as she's trying to get away with the jewels and treasures that she has, where the plane is coming to fly by, but she's going to lasso the plane with her whip. And Superboy says, I know you thought right, you snagged the plane, but I'm not a plane, or even a bird, I'm, and I like how they play into, look at the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, and she says, Superboy, he says, oh, you guessed, I was actually going to say Superboy, so, again, very full of himself, and he wanted to be the one to say Superboy, as if that, that line up in the sky is a thing that's in DC Comics that he has heard, been said about Superman, so he's referring to himself as that, which again, I thought that was just really fun, uh, how that's played out through here and that the plane is going to crash down and so he's got to go save, stop the plane, which you really don't see that. It happens off-panel. The Batarang comes in, hits her on the side of the head, knocks her out, and then Bart swoops in and catches her. And Robin really doesn't do much in this other than throw the battering. So what'd you think about this sequence?
2: I mean, it's, it's definitely a good balance of the fun action. I love a lot of the, again, the, the layouts that knock uses here, like the depicting the, the running of the bulls or uh, whatever they, or whatever it's actually called. Uh, I think that's what it is. The running of the bulls yeah. in a side panel, you know, to mm-hmm. almost evoke how, you know, they're going down a long street. He's taking up the entire side of the page uh, to depict that, even though it's in a relatively thin panel. That was really creative and cool. And then having the rest of the action off to the right in some uh, larger paneling, it's balanced really fun with some, you know, just some fun dialogue, you know, Bart being, you know, goofy and Superboy, yeah, being full of himself and almost being flattered that she recognized him <laughs> until he realized that, oh crap, I have to go save somebody or a bunch of somebodies. I did love on, I think it's page five there where it says, oh, and then there's an asterisk, and then it's down a caption at the bottom saying, insert current popular but unprincipled <laughs> teen profanity here. <laughs> I thought I thought thought that was that that was pretty funny. That was just a silly game. It's it's little gags like that that you know make me laugh. Um, And to your point, Torah has i mean she has a really cool design i mean it evokes zorro i'm sure on purpose right Uh, i mean they were definitely going for a female zorro ripoff but it works she has a a very cool look i don't remember or even know if she does show up later on i'll take your word for it that she does Uh, but uh i like the look of like the kind of the spanish swashbuckler is a lot Mm. of fun and then yeah it's it's almost funny that you've got the two super powered guys who should be able to handle, you know, who is probably just a, a common thief, even though she's a costumed common thief, they should be able to handle her. But it's the guy who doesn't have any powers and just has a bat-shaped boomerang who's able to subdue her. <laughs> that's that's uh, That's pretty fun, just working with the team dynamics there and um i I don't know why but uh again i think it's page seven where robin jumps from the roof and then lands on the ground that's always one of those cool tim drake shots that i've just always been burned into my mind i don't know what it is like uh, a lot of you know tom grummett's covers with tim stick out there's a lot of uh Uh, Michael Ringo images that uh, really stick out and make me think of Tim Drake when I see it. This is another one that kind of jumps to mind whenever I think, what were some really cool shots of Tim Drake when he was Robin? I I just really like the way Nuck depicts that that little jump off the roof there. And then, uh, yeah, you get fighting mad in some sombreros, and ponchos. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, they're coming and questioning them about secret. And the boys, of course, pretend like they don't know what she's talking about. It is really funny how they each have a different way that they think of her. You know, yeah. Bart thinks of her just as really peppy and cheery and, you know, just a nice, fun person. Uh, Superboy thinks of her in a very, I hesitate to say anything, too outrageous here because she's supposed to be a teenager but he well, uh, imagines like her in an the, alluring pose let's say yeah the, the the atypical
1: probably girl next door you know where he's like yeah she's hot she likes me you know that that type of that type of thing
2: yeah definitely and then robin thinks of her just as you know a fellow hero and adventurer so that that was a pretty pretty fun little scene there and i like the
1: the Scooby-Doo reference that Torah has that I would have got away with it, too, if it weren't for those meddling kids. Yeah. So, again, we've got the up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, we've got the Scooby-Doo reference, and that Bart likes the way Young Justice sounds in Spanish. He says, wow, I like that better than Young Justice. Yes. <laughs> which I thought was, uh, which was funny.
2: It's a great gag, too, that the sun is pretty high in the sky, and then, you know... In the next panel, Superboy and Impulse high-five each other, and then it's nighttime, and Robin's <laughs> on, the, on the roof,
0: and Bart yeah. says,
2: boy, it gets dark fast around here. Because uh, I was reading that, and I thought that same thing, and I was like, oh, good, they did it for the joke.
1: <laughs> yeah. The super cycle ends up showing up here, and it's covered in blood. So they're trying to figure out, well... The other cool thing is I like that... Superboy is constantly referring to Robin as Rob. Something that the the cartoon series would do from time to time and have to say Robin or I'm sure this, you the, like that Rob. <laughs> I I do. I, <laughs> I have I have little sound bites of that where I'm like, "Oh, that's that's kind of cool. I can I can have Superboy call me Rob or, or Bart or or whatever it it's is." It's
2: okay. There've been, you know, several comics over the years where people refer to Jason Todd as Jay. I don't mm-hmm. appreciate that nearly as much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. that's
1: that, That's an insult. That's a slap in the face or a crowbar to the jaw. Oh, oh hey.
0: come oh. on, man. Oh. Ah. <laughs> ah. Ah. <laughs>
2: Wonder Girl.
1: Oh. Wonder Girl. <laughs> um,. Again, not a fan of the costume. I think it looks better here than it does on the cover. Again, the cover is supposed to say "Hey, grabby it!" It almost looks too big for her. here. It looks a little bit better. I think more of what it is—it's those knee pads, is, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the knee the pads. Knee pads and the 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 goggles. <laughs> the goggles, I think, are my big—the big square goggles. But we're introduced to. Uh, Wonder Girl here, officially in the book, even though the Secret Origins technically would come first. But that's a discussion for a later time. Where the boys are fighting the the villain in Spain. She is fighting some hoodlums on the, the playground, and who she is saving is a cat, which I think is really cute. Until the cat ends up uh, scratching her, and she's like, "Well, fine, you crummy flea bag." And then we're introduced to Secret and. She's trying to explain to Wonder Girl, like, hey, you know, we could be friends and talking about her friends she wants to introduce to her and get to be part of her club until she mentions the word Superboy. And then all of a sudden, Wonder Girl's like, ah, I'm your new best friend. I'll I'll go on this adventure with you. So I thought that was a little cute how we're introduced to uh, the two of them officially, even though we've already met a secret previously. And then Harm, and this is the part where... It's sad and kind of funny, but more scary sad that Harm is a jerk. Yeah, (laughs) He has essentially tried to kill his his dad, has come really close, an inch closer, and he would have severed his uh, father's jugular, and where mom is like, oh, the boy's not that bad, and Harm ends up coming into the room and is basically like, don't press your luck i can be that bad then we move back to the young justice cave where the boys have uh, finally returned home to meet red tornado and then the bloodied and still arrow stuck arrowette on the table and bart does some uh quick vibrating with his hands to be able to pull the arrow out of her shoulder so what'd you think of this section where uh, probably the the bigger thing uh, my bigger takeaway was uh what a d bag <laughs> harm is uh, to his parents here, like you said a little previously you we are meant to not like this guy,
2: yeah, when he says like a curfew, how droll it's like what a pretentious mm-hmm. little d-hole <laughs> that kid is. <laughs> <laughs> I I really like the visual storytelling, especially in the Wonder Girl segment, especially just with a lot of the different facial expressions. I love the kind of a half page image of her, you know, imagining Superboy the way I'm sure Superboy thinks about Superboy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Right. But uh, there's just some really good visual storytelling here you know not actually seeing her hit these guys on the playground but seeing where the, she hits them too and then yeah i mean as goofy as her costume is that is still a pretty cool cool shot of her you know just standing there oh, yeah. like a hero pose i like secrets visual motif uh mm-hmm. just real smoky and uh kind of ethereal but then she can still uh, she can still become corporeal and actually look like a a tangible person. So like that and their, their interplay together and everything. That's a, I mean, it's a fun scene, but yeah, like like you said, it is the, when you get to harm and his parents, it is sad uh, Mm -hmm. to see the, these parents who, especially the father, you know, almost blaming himself for the, the monster that their son is. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, that's just really, really heartbreaking that he feels that way. And that the mother is trying so hard just to hold on to, you know, probably she doesn't say as much necessarily, but just the idea of, you know, her, her sweet baby boy, he, he's not that bad. And her husband says, you know, he gave me this scar. If it was any closer, it would have hit my jugular. And she says, you know, that, you know, take it easy on him. He was only 11 and her husband says that's the point he was 11 and then you know harm is just coming and being a complete you know pricked and everything (laughs) but it's pitiful in one sense but at the same time i feel really really bad for them because you can see the father like visual uh, visibly shaking after Mm -hmm. standing up to his son it's like that's that's not the way it should be at all and no, no. you know it's awful that these parents feel this way about their their own child. Yeah, and the way
1: knock like you talked about the shaking that the that he draws the father in where it took a lot of courage to stand up to his son. But the the sadder thing is the husband and wife holding each other after harm has gone out and, and slammed the door. Where they the dad probably realized I, I could have literally just died right here if my son was. Having a bad day, I don't know how the bad day can get get any worse. He might have just died in that moment. So it's just by the the grace of God that they're able to hold each other and he probably it doesn't say it, but I imagine he's having that moment of like, Yeah, that's the last time I questioned my son. Yeah.
2: And even, you know, his wife saying, You can do this, you can, this little pep talk that, you know, no parent should have to give each other because but that's just how much of a frightening horrible monstrous being their son is through no fault of their own i'm sure and i'm not being sarcastic i I can't remember harm's entire story but i'm i'm sure there's more to it and i don't think his parents are at fault for it (laughs) i Um, wouldn't think so but yeah and then uh going back to the to the justice cave it is nice seeing you know as as fun as bart is as the goofy one who you know doesn't think enough or doesn't let his body actually respond to the thoughts that he's having to where he can, you know, come up with a, you know, a a sort of cohesive plan or an appropriate response to something. It is nice seeing him having good ideas because Bart's not dumb. He's just... Mm -mm. I mean, he's just in his name. He's impulsive. He, he thinks way too much. He thinks way too fast and he doesn't know how to control or rather he doesn't control his, you know, silliness and everything, but he's still capable of vibrating an arrow out. So they don't have to worry about like breaking the shaft and then pulling it through and then hurting her even more, possibly getting some splinters in there or anything. He's able to get it out Mm -hmm. clean where, you know, she would only have, you know, a flesh wound at that point. So it's nice seeing him play against type a little bit and letting other characters stick up for him too. So I really liked that scene.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. That was something I I really dug is the funny guy in the room doesn't always have to be the funny guy. He can be serious when he needs to be. So it was a nice character beat that The Bart knows, oh, I can actually do something useful rather than being the goofball in the room. So I thought that was really neat. So we actually see what happened to Arrowet through her description of what happened, who Harm is. And uh, she didn't actually know who he was uh, at first, but saying that as as fast as she was able to try, and she was just trying to shoot at him and maybe pin his cape or cloak to the wall that he caught it quick enough and threw it faster than what she was able to reload or even see, and threw it right through her shoulder, and that was that's enough to send Superboy out, and again, Robin is trying to call after Superboy, like you know we can't go and have cocked to this we' <laughs> let's try and have a plan and I like how the stories are just starting to converge that Wonder Girl and Secret are on their way to go to uh, the Justice Cave when they meet up with – and the first time I saw this, I thought this was the Batmobile. Like, huh, (laughs) Robin must have got the Batmobile. So I don't know if this is the – it's drawn very well. And it almost reminds me of the Grant Morrison, Dick Grayson, Damian Wayne Batmobile a little bit with the, you know, the red hood. Oh, yeah, the one that flew. Yeah, the one that flew a a little bit like that. Um, And it's got a little bit of the Arkham Asylum Batmobile built into it. I think a different color might have worked a little bit because, again, I I flinched at first when I thought it was the Batmobile, but uh, Harm ends up getting a uh, Wonder Girl and it has these little like computer screens that uh, these little blocks that says book of blood a new entry Wonder Girl unknown powers flight accelerated strength not much else so he's able to kind of pinpoint the weaknesses of who these people are that he knows and basically just tethers her and flies her straight into a bridge, a brick bridge to knock her, almost knock her out and just drag her through the streets he comes into contact with Secret really doesn't have much information for her when he sees Superboy and that's that's who he's after and it looks like he almost takes Superboy out pretty quickly with this uh, what did it say, uh, it sprays this chemical in his mouth that he's almost starting to drown with the chemical compound and then can take out Wonder Girl and Superboy and then leaves. And the the teens are gone by the time the police get there and that's when Fit and Mad show up and they're almost certain. Okay. They can smell Secret, they can they know that the the boys have her or they know her whereabouts. So I thought it was really interesting the way that this wraps up that Superboy and Wonder Girl essentially just wake up from the ca- wake up from the fight, go back to the cave, and Arrowet, Robin, and Impulse do not go back out to help them. And the new quintet—if I've got my math right—is that right? Six <laughs> are starting to piece what is going on and what their what their next step needs to be. And uh, Secret says helping freeing a group of beings. Just like me, before it's too late. Meaning they got to go back to the uh, DEO to save more people, just like her. So the uh, plot thickens, if you will. And this is the not the last that we're going to see harm. So I like how this goes right into the uh, Young Justice Secret Files uh, number one and continues the story and a nice another big chunk of a. uh, of an issue which we will discuss at a later time so what do you think of the wrap-up of this issue and uh our villain now that is going to carry over to a a a second issue
2: it's it's not the clearest action scene uh like like you (laughs) i thought that was the batmobile so i was really confused like why am i seeing these insets uh like these inserts of uh harm but wonder girls being dragged along by batman what but then i kind of put two and two together so even though the car looks cool which i mean the batmobile looks cool so if it was the batmobile of course it would look cool even though this car is not the batmobile and still looks cool it it would have benefited a little better from having a different design for it for sure just because it is kind of derivative of that you know much more famous car so there was a little bit of confusion there um seeing harm take down the characters does show how much of a threat he is like even after the scene where his you know he completely terrified his parents uh, i mean i don't know i i i don't buy him as a genuine threat i still buy him just as mm-hmm. a threat for the story which yeah. i think you're kind of supposed to I mean he's not ever supposed to be like a you know Lex Luthor level genius or like a even like a Deathstroke style tactician or a Joker level madman or anything I mean he's just supposed to be someone that that maybe takes young justice off guard because they don't know what to make of him and anything that the story does to make him seem like more of a threat just makes him seem more pompous. Like his book of blood entries are just so dumb. <laughs> I mean, that's so pretentious. But again, I have a feeling that we're supposed to feel that way because this dude sucks. So <laughs> the, I mean, the action itself is fine. It does get a little confusing and muddled here and there. Especially, I mean, if they if they hadn't had that explanation that the heroes and villains had vacated the battlefield by the yeah. time police got there, it would have been like, okay, well, why are you know why weren't Superboy and Wonder Girl apprehended? Why are they suddenly at the at the Justice Cave? So, I'm mean, I'm at least glad that it's there. Uh, I liked a lot of Knox storytelling throughout the rest of the issue. I wonder if either in the writing and the illustrating this there's going to be a point where things just don't mesh as well as they could have i just wonder if maybe Mm -hmm. this was you know rushed to get it uh, to an ending or if peter david had one idea and todd knock had another idea and they kept kind of bouncing them off each other and then it never really gelled into something that was super clear it works in the end in retrospect, but there were some points where the action just seemed to be a little bit too much with too many quick cuts between different mm-hmm. angles and stuff. It'd be like in a modern action movie where it's edited to like 15 cuts a second and you have no idea yeah. what's going on. That's kind of what it felt like. I do like the uh, the final scene, you know, seeing Superboy being comforting Arrowette and then Wonder Girl being really like bitter and you know uh, <laughs> embarrassed because she has a crush on him and everything and then secret kind of rallying them into going and saving the other kids who are just like her i i think it it definitely leaves it on a good cliffhanger that that keeps you invested more beyond just the story being fun and you know silly and having fun with these characters, you're actually getting involved with the larger narrative that's going
0: on. And I think it, it leaves off nicely here. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of the character that Superboy walks in Wonder
1: Girls having like, Oh, Hey, I'm fine. And then quickly realizes, Oh, you're, you're, you're not talking to me. Uh, Janine Garofalo is the first one that comes to mind, but she's a little more, Brash and would kind of say that out loud, like apparently you're talking to the pretty girl in the room, not me. But <laughs> there, there's that. It's almost the the Jan Brady, like oh, okay, well I'll just stop talking, you get a little quiet. Yeah, the you the know
2: really just meek. I've never seen the movie, which I probably should have. But around this time, if they had cast a Young Justice movie, I could see them casting Rachel Lee Cook from She's All That. Uh-huh. Like, yeah in that exact same like wardrobe <laughs> as Cassie. Yes. You know, the one who, you know, when when she takes off her glasses and, you know, lets <laughs> her hair down and everything, she's a knockout. But when she's wearing glasses, she's the, you know, dorky girl next door and everything. That's that's uh, I could definitely see an actress like that playing that role <laughs> around that <laughs> yeah. time.
1: Yeah, that is that is very good. You know, she's Jennifer Love Hewitt at one minute and now she's Rachel Lee Cook with the Glass. So, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, this this issue of the the two that we discussed, I think seems the most clunky in transitions. Like the the story that it's telling on you know on the two pages that you're reading, I think works really well. But it's almost like okay, I want to have this beat and this beat But I don't know how to get A from A to B or A A to C and you know not just to rehash what you said, but I was like, that's that's a really quick cut. Like there needed to be another two or three panels of and maybe they just decided to take it out, like, okay, we don't need to see the Superboy and Wonder Girl get up and you know, lick their wounds, like, Oh wow, we really got our butts kicked. Let's just get him back to the cave so we can wrap this up. And that happened a couple times throughout this issue that we were doing one thing and then quickly we're right to the next page. And I was constantly going, okay, but how? A couple scenes needed to, needed to breathe just a little bit more. Even with uh, Wonder Girl in secret deciding to go to the Young Justice cave. I think that that got said in like a, a panel and a half and bam, they were off off to go do that.
2: I wonder I mean we we were talking earlier about how like tight a lot of the scripting has been so far with you know mm-hmm. single issue stories and adventures. It's almost like it's the opposite is they're like well we know that this arc's going to take us beyond this issue. So we need to set it up but, but we can't show too much of our hand in this issue, so we mm-hmm. need to pace it out more and that's why everything felt a little looser towards the end and a little choppier and kind of sloppy. Well, I think that's
1: where we're going to end uh, this episode for uh, young justice. We are now four issues into the series. And if you count the uh, world without grownups, we're actually six issues in. And uh, I like where this is going. It's, it's been a long time. I have not read every single issue of young justice, but I have read a lion's share of them and this was one that it was missing from my collection. So I read it for the first time this year when I got the trade. I think I briefly read through like the first five or six issues. But uh, today, reading the these two issues, getting ready for the podcast, it kind of really got back in my mind. And I'd forgotten most of what was here. I think I got this trade in January of this year. And not that it was, wasn't good or anything, but... Uh, this was one that uh it was nice to get back to and i could never remember like well how did the girls get to be part of the team so um i liked how how the build up was for the you know the three issues where we just focused on the boys and even the world without heroes but i liked that the young justice team is starting to grow and as this podcast goes on with this portion of the book we're going to get to meet more members of the Young Justice team in a larger world. So, you know, what are your uh, final thoughts with uh, issue four, and uh, you know where the this particular series is going to go?
2: I mean, I do like the fact that up until this point, you know, there's been a lot of, like I said, you know, self-contained stories. They've taken the time just to you know have fun with the characters, get them to know each other, and get them working alongside each other as a team. This issue may have been the uh, I mean the the clumsiest one so far. I do like yeah. the fact that they've added they've added the the female element with three really good female characters, Secret Wonder Girl yes. and Arrowette. Yeah. Even though, you know, Harm isn't necessarily a great character. He's a character that you love to hate and will be incredibly satisfying to see him finally be taken down at some point. So I I am mm-hmm. glad that they're at least trying to give them a worthy protagonist who is a match for the entire team individually that they'll have to come together to fight him and uh, and take him on. So even though this issue kind of got rough a little towards the end, it was still in- enjoyable. Uh, there are a mm. lot of really good emotional beats in it and some pretty mature storytelling, too. So uh, I was definitely impressed with that. And uh, even though I've read on you know several issues ahead before, it's it's been a little bit. So I'm excited to kind of refresh my memory and see where everything goes from here.
1: I have one last final thought while you were talking about oh, said blood wind. See, You I got that in my, <laughs> in my head. And maybe that's who I was thinking of, just name with the blood and all of that. As, like you said, he's not like the greatest, you know, villain in, in DC history or lore. But a villain like this that's written well enough that it actually brings out some good traits and good character moments out of our heroes, I always like to where, okay, we know the villain really isn't the thing because we're still trying to get introduced to the newer characters of the book. I think Peter David does a really good job of using that character to tell you things about Secret, about Arrowette, and about Wonder Girl that he's just the plot device for us to get to know and and fall in love with the new heroes of the book. So I, I like the character for that. It's not, he's just not the lame duck. Like, all right, he's a poorly written character and he's not adding anything to the story. I think by him just physically being there is bringing out some really good stuff out of these characters where you're like, I pick on the Wonder Girl character costume. I've always liked the Wonder Girl character. Donna Troy and Cassie, I think is is my favorite, but I like how he's used to bring out those character traits in Wonder Girl that I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the Wonder Girl I like right there. This is where we're going to end this episode. We will see you guys in a few weeks for the next installment of Young Justice. And I'm just going to tell you, bring a sandwich, probably bring two sandwiches, because we have the massive 80-page giant to go through. So we're going to be here for a little bit. So it'll be a nice, thick episode. So we'll see you guys in a few weeks. On the behalf of Jay, this is Rob. You've been listening to the Batman and more importantly, you're listening to Everyone Loves Young Justice. We'll see you guys.
0: Thanks for listening to Everyone Loves Young Justice Podcast. We are part of the Batman podcasting network. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can do so a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELYJ Podcast. We are also on Facebook at www.facebook.com ELYJ Pod. You can email under the show at yahoo.com and we will read your comments on the air. If you listen to the show on iTunes, leave a review there. That will help spread the word of the show, and we will read your review as well. Now, if your mode has been crashed... Or if you feel a bit whelmed by the show, no infringement was intended. All music and sound clips belong to their respective copyright holders. These are just to illustrate and enhance your listening experience. No coinage is, was, or will be made by this show. Our wives, wives said so. All characters discussed on the show belong to DC Comics. The opinions on this show belong to the two chatterboxes alone. Not that anyone else does, but if you want your voice heard, let us know... Why Everyone Loves Young, young Justice. Justice.